When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. Can I start by saying a big thank you to uh, John Paul, who's always fantastic. When I get a little bit under the weather, he jumps in, takes over the show, never a complaint, never a bother. And uh, he's always a very safe pair of hands to leave the show in. So I really appreciate him stepping in for me last week when I came down with one of these virus things. No real, I can't exactly say that's exactly what I had. It was just some type of a virus. It wasn't COVID. I had been tested uh, for COVID but it was one of those viruses that absolutely floored me I have to say. Symptoms wise the only thing I had was a really really sore throat and my mouth was really sore as well which obviously made uh, talking and doing the programme an absolute impossibility but the worst symptom of all was just the unnatural tiredness that I felt and am I a, am I 100% better? I'm not but I'm well on the road uh, to a recovery but it was one of those when you have a virus as anybody knows there's no point getting an antibiotic for it. I did go to the doctor this day last week I was dragged myself into the doctor and uh, yeah I was diagnosed with a virus so I got some antiviral stuff and told to go home and rest which I thought was um, I smiled to myself it was a young doctor I hadn't seen before and it, it very much brought home to me when he said to me you know just go home and rest you know um, take a few weeks to rest and, and you'll be fine and any of us that are family carers will know trying to get that proper rest when you're a family carer is you know I can't turn around to Marcia and say look mummy's just not feeling well today you're going to have to do everything yourself and it's kind of one of those situations that every family carer will identify with you have to keep going you get rest whenever you can but it can be a real real uh, nightmare and it really brought home to me the need not to have COVID come into our household because when I was feeling so unwell and so tired last week and when you hear about people who have had COVID thankfully we're all vaccinated but even uh, with vaccination we know we can still pick up COVID but when you hear from anyone who ever has had COVID they all talk about the unnatural tiredness and I was thinking my God if I got COVID and it was worse than this the tiredness was worse than this how would I physically function and how would I be able to 
look after her and it really was a kind of a head wreck uh, throughout the week I have to say and that's why I'm desperately scrambling to try to get my booster dose and get my booster dose as as quick as as quick as I can. But anyway, I'm on the road to recovery and I'm doing and I know we've got Annalise on a little bit later on and I've very much taken her advice because I know whenever she talks about people recovering from viruses or anything that leaves you very tired to go on that source of life gold stuff. It's green. I've taken it before. It looks awful. It tastes absolutely fine. I never have an issue uh, taking it every morning, but it just, it looks awful. I've come to the conclusion I can't drink anything that's green. You know, when you do smoothies, if they're green, I don't know what it is. It just sort of turns my stomach almost. So I'm taking that and trying to build myself and build myself back up uh, slowly. But there's a lot of bugs, a lot of viruses doing the rounds at the moment, folks. So you really just have to, we all have to try and look after each other and uh, look after our, ourselves. The toy show was on on Friday night. I'm interested in your thoughts if you sat down, as indeed I think half the country sat down to watch the toy show. It's kind of one of those traditions, isn't it, that we all enjoy and we remember a time, certainly in my house I remember a time when children were younger, but there's still something lovely uh, about it. And I have to say, I did enjoy the toy show and some of the children were just exceptional as they always are. It's the children are the stars of the show But I got to the end of it and there was just something missing. And I think when I analysed it afterwards, I think it was missing a bit of the Christmas feel. And I don't know if that was deliberate on behalf of RTE and the producers. This set and while, you know, it was all about the Jungle King and the, and the, and the Lion King and they always have a theme. They, they do a theme every year. But the theme is always mixed with a sort of a Christmas vibe about it, except for Ryan wearing his... I was about to say very smart Christmas jumpers. He's traditional Christmas jumpers. There wasn't Christmas trees or Christmas music or Christmas songs. And to me, maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just getting too old for the toy show. But I love this idea now that they started the last, was it last year was the first year they started the, the Late Late Show Toy Appeal and how it's fantastic the money that they make every year and I know at close of business yesterday they were up to I think it was about six and no five and a half million I think they were closing it off as or just over five million yesterday well just this morning I see that it is it has gone over six and a half million and that's down to the co-founder of Revolut a guy by the name of Vlad Jasenko who oh, I had never heard of Vlad Jasenko until he became Vlad the lad on Friday night there was a problem with donations via Revolut and any young person will tell you all about Revolut and of course they were very much hoping by opening up the donations to Revolut they'd opened it up to a whole generation of people who maybe would not have been in a position to give a donation before so it was Black Friday as well I remember that so there was a lot going on in the financial sector and the online world and the Revolut app absolutely crashed in the middle of the Late Late Show and that was down as well to do with the amount of people that were trying to donate added to the amount of people that were trying to do business for Black Friday and uh, Vlad Yasenko, the co-founder of Revolut, was very quickly out to say because of what happened, he immediately, you know, apologised and said, "Look, they were working to get everything sorted out with the Revolut app." But he straight away announced that he was he donated a hundred thousand euro to the appeal, and then he said that anybody who continued to donate across the weekend, he would Revolut would match it up to a million euro. And lo and behold, in the early hours of this morning, he's tweeted again and he's put up a screen 
grab of the text message he's got back that says, nice, you've just donated one million <laughs> to the RTE Toy Show appeal. And that brings his total. He, he on behalf of Revolut, uh, donated uh, one, one million one hundred thousand, which is a really generous, generous offer indeed. But it means that it brought the total now for the Late Late Toy Show appeal to 6.5 million. Bearing in mind last year, they raised 6.6 million. And obviously throughout this week, money will continue uh, to come in to that uh, charity appeal. So it really is terrific. And yet again, you know, the generosity of Irish people. It's, you know, never ceases to uh, amaze me. And of course, all the money is divvied up between children's charities that's run by the Community Foundation of uh, Ireland. So it's a really good causes. I know the young carers, for example, and some of the, that young girl who sang with, remember when Ed Sheeran came out, which I thought was a real highlight of the show for me, that young girl who ended up doing the duet with him, she was there representing the young uh, carers and it was such a buzz uh, for them. So anyway, as I say, a bit of a technical hitch with the Revolut, but now they're at 6.5 million, which is fantastic take a pat on the back if you're one of those who donated to the Late Late Show toy uh, appeal but your thoughts on it was there just was it just me or was, was there was there a little bit of Christmas missing even the end of it you know the way normally it always ends up where they bring in usually a children's choir and there'll be a Christmas song that they'll sing and I certainly remember Sister Nula travelling with the the girls from the Fromoy Loretto Secondary School they went up one Christmas and there was much excitement and they went up and sang I think it was a holy night but I, I could be corrected uh, on that but they went up and did uh, a Christmas but they usually end up with and certainly back in the day and this will be back in the day of the good old tradition with Gay Byrne it always would have ended up with a choir in doing some kind of a Christmas song but it ended up with all the children again wonderful talented children that we have and they were well represented by Cork City and County uh, for sure but I would have liked if they had ended up with just a bit of a Christmas song because it kind of lets you go away feeling all nice and uh, fuzzy. John Paul's taking your calls at 1850 333 Now I know thousands of people flocked to walk-in vaccination centres across the weekend in a bid to try to get the you now much coveted COVID-19 booster uh, jab and obviously with everything that's been spoken about with this new variant uh, Omicron, that's really you know worrying a number of people and people are saying you know I, I need my booster I'm over the five months for my booster if you're J&J over the three months and people are desperate uh, to get it it seems there was more than 100,000 people inquired about walk-in vaccinations and that was just over the last fortnight inquiring from the uh, HSE so there was a large number of people showed up at vaccination centres over the weekend but unfortunately some of them didn't qualify under the current access cohort and that was hugely disappointing for people who queued up they got inside to be told no sorry you've got to wait at least uh, five months or we're not doing your age group at the moment or whatever it was and it was turned away and there was anger at some of the vaccination centres now all 36 of the vaccination centres around the country they'll continue to offer booster jabs uh, this week and they're offering them to either healthcare workers or those aged 60 to 69 by next Wednesday. Some centres will continue to do this walk-in vaccination uh, for those looking for their booster uh, jab. So you're going to need to check with your local centre to see are they taking uh, walk-ins because otherwise the majority of the vaccination centres are going to be exclusively for specific cohorts across this week. 
Now, it's expected that those aged 50 to 59, they'll be offered early, uh, they'll be offered their jabs next, early next month. And when you're saying early next month, Wednesday is the 1st of December. So from this week, those 50 to 59 should be starting to get a call. Those who got the Johnson & Johnson Janssen vaccine over the summer, they are now starting to be uh, called in because, of course, they are the group of people that they've now discovered has the fastest waning level of protection against picking up the virus. The government said those aged over 70 and people with underlying medical conditions, they've largely been dealt with. Not to say they've all been dealt with, but they've largely been uh, dealt with. We do have a stockpile of two million booster jabs. So it isn't a case that the booster jabs, that the vaccines are not there as it was, say, at the beginning of the year when they started to roll out the vaccine. We were waiting for supplies, but they've stockpiled about two million jabs. So the jabs are there. It's just to get them into people's arms. Now, the HSE had to apologise over the weekend to the public as the as they said it was a remarkable surge in demand. And that then led to massive queues in some of the vaccination centres, particularly the vaccination centres in Dublin and also here in Cork. Uh, people were urged uh, to wait for their cohort to be called though that's what they're saying to people rather than to see long queues forming and then the long queues form and you get to the top of the queue only to discover we're not doing your cohort at the moment. Now there's pictures in the examiner today of Cork City Hall hundreds queuing. They were right around uh, the block. Some of them were walk-ins. Other of them though had scheduled uh, appointments and according to the examiner for people who went to City Hall yesterday for the walk-ins, not the ones with scheduled appointments. They had waits of up to two hours. In Dublin, the HSC came out and apologised because many people were left waiting for five hours for boosters in City West Vaccination Centre. It said the the centre faced unprecedented demand due to a scheduling error that saw people call for vaccination who simply weren't eligible. Oh my God, just to add to it, but five hours of standing outside and it was a cold cold day yesterday certainly looking at some of the pictures in the examiner today people were well wrapped uh, up now booster shops can be given to all people who are at least five months out from receiving the second dose of their original COVID-19 vaccine and the emphasis this week is very much on those aged 60 to 69 and healthcare workers and of course people who did receive the one shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine they're also now eligible to receive a booster and they'll either get Pfizer or uh, Moderna and they can get it after three months and I would would imagine a moment to correct that anyone who got Janssen is over three months because they stopped giving Janssen during the summer. So there's a number of people, I know a number in their 50s, when they started rolling out to the 50s, a number in their 50s got the Janssen. I think it's about 250,000, about a quarter million people got it. But there was also a big cohort of younger people in their 20s who went to pharmacies and the Janssen was being given out in pharmacies as well. So they are, once they're three months after there, uh, well, it's only a one shot for, for the Janssen people, but for everyone else, it's five months. And I know that that is catching a number of people in the 60 to 69 age group who received AstraZeneca. And I've heard of people who turned up at vaccination centres. I heard of one woman who was four days off the five months and was told, sorry, you have to go home. And then I heard of a man up in Dublin who arrived. He was a day early. And he was sent home as well, which is just if you've queued for five hours, you're a day uh, early. So make sure, check the date 
that you got your second vaccine, particularly for those 60 to 69 who got the AstraZeneca because they waited three months between the first and the second. And somebody was asking uh, earlier, how do you know? I can't remember the, the date. If you go on to your COVID passport, your COVID cert, it'll say on there the date that you received your second jab for AstraZeneca or for Pfizer or for Moderna or if you've kept, you remember the original little cards that we were given that we brought with us for the second jab, the date is on that as well. But then And then count out the exact five months. You've got to be at least five months or, and, or you're not going to be eligible to get your vaccine and we certainly don't want people going and then turned away. Killian says, Hi Patricia, I attended the walk-in COVID-19 vaccination centre in City Hall on Saturday and I received my booster shot. As a medical vulnerable person I was obviously delighted to get it and I want to say a big thank you to the vaccinators the clerical staff the security men and women who were so friendly and so courteous the HSE should be proud of these people who do extraordinary work which must be di- must be di- difficult particularly with the huge attendances well done to all concerned and thanks again and that's Killian who travelled from Killarney to City Hall on uh, Saturday stay safe uh, Killian and Terry says hi Patricia uh, I was at one of those walk-ins in City Hall on Saturday I had a two and a half hour wait I think what might have heightened the problem was that there were so many people who had appointments there shouldn't have been walk-ins advertised when there was also appointments and it was bloody freezing. <laughs> Thanking you, says Sterry. Well, you've had your shot, so well done and I hope you're wrapped up nice and uh, warm because it was a bitterly, bitterly cold uh, weekend. OK, on the Lately Toy Show, Anne says, Patricia, we love to watch the toy show and my family abroad also love to watch it. But we also noticed, like you, it wasn't very Christmassy this year. And I don't know if it was a definite decision or not. Thanks for that, Anne. Yes, you're right. The late late was disappointing uh, this year. Definitely Christmas spirit was missing. The other point I would like to make is that it starts too late. Why not start it at eight o'clock and just have it on then between eight and uh, ten or eight and uh, eleven? Actually, there's a number of people. There's somebody else making that same uh, point and somebody else uh, says, uh, um, good to have you back. Thank thank you. Um, I was so sick too. Like you, a negative COVID test. But what are two weeks I put down? Yes, there's just so many viruses at the moment. I, but I also have to agree with you. Didn't feel there was any Christmas buzz with the toy show. Didn't watch it on Friday night. It was almost my first night back at uh, work due to being sick. But I watched it yesterday and it definitely seemed to lack the Christmas spirit. I'm glad, glad I'm not on my own. Angeline Clon says, felt the very same as you about the toy show, Trish. And hi, Patricia. I thought the to- toy show didn't seem like Christmas. I didn't see a dollar of teddy bear in sight. There wasn't any Christmas singing. There was no children doing set dancing. Or there was not even one child playing in an accordion. The child playing the harp was brilliant. Uh, thanking you, Patricia. Also, I, I do think it should be on at about 8pm as it is at the end of the day for children. My grandchildren were all asleep by 10.30 so they only got the first hour of them. They ended up having to watch the repeat but the joy has gone out of it when they're watching the repeat and that's from a Mitchestown uh, listener and I'm sure that was reflected all around the country because there is this I, I mean I even found the build up myself on Friday looking at the clock saying oh is it only 8 o'clock another hour and a half to 8 that yeah I agree I think it should be on. and it went on till well after 12 as well didn't it, it you know it's an extended programme on top of everything else and I was thinking of the smallies who would have been carried up uh, to bed but listen at the end of the day 6.5 million has been raised for children's charity so a lot of children will benefit because of that night of uh, TV 
on Friday night. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Research by the Irish Hotels Federation forecasts over 90 million euro in lost revenue for the sector because of cancellations by companies and organisations due to the recent rise in positive COVID cases. To get a feel of how that's been felt locally, I'm joined by Michael Magner, who owns the Vienna Woods Hotel in Glanmire. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're very welcome to the programme. Uh, have you had many cancellations for the coming weeks? Well, I think you, you introduced it very well in terms of across the sector. There was a recent survey carried out over the last 10 days, and the fact is that because of government advice and health advice in terms of people to cut down their social interactions, we've been feeling a significant impact with as a result of uh, cancellations in Christmas party events, family gatherings, even meetings and events that don't fall into the realm of, uh, I suppose, essential business. And of course, with the government directive to work from home, um, companies are listening. And of course, then those planned meetings have been deferred if they've gone online. And I think what's important uh, to say that any of the research, I mean, look, this is money we're talking about and nothing trumps public health and that's number one so when the government made these advisories along with public health I mean it's it's there for a reason and there's nobody disputing that and if you ask anybody in the hospitality sector you know they, they'll all say well listen public health is a priority and we'll do what needs to be done and what's asked of us because we've done it all along but in doing that we were anticipating what probably was a, a, a looking forward to a buoyant December uh, in our industry and for many the, the month of December Patricia is probably probably the busiest month of the year. Um, and that buoyant month of December then will typically carry through uh, businesses into the leaner periods of January and February. And while we acknowledge the support that governments have been providing to our industry and in other industries as well, and they've been well, well, I suppose, received, and, and we really appreciate the support. The fact is that you know, there's indications that those supports are due to, to wind down or commence the winding down from uh, the 1st of December, which is Wednesday. So, you know, in a way, at the moment, our sector um, in hotels, hospitality, the nightclub industry, um, entertainment sectors are being affected as well, are in a type of a quasi-lockdown at the moment in mm. favour of the restrictions. Yeah, and, and, was, public health. and was there a sense that you were coming back? Oh, absolutely. I mean, phones were very busy. I mean, we reopened on the 2nd of June. It's been a very, very busy uh, summer for the industry. And, you know, that business was greatly appreciated because remember, uh, between 2020 and, and and half of 2021, uh, we've been in a period of restrictions. And right through when we reopened on the 2nd of June, restrictions still prevailed. And as we moved into the 22nd of October this year, bans were lifted on numbers of, of people attending weddings and family gatherings um, and dancing and events could recommence and, and large numbers at other events like concerts, etc. So there was definitely that sense of optimism and buoyancy, but it's definitely concerning it's at this again. point, you know? Yeah, and, and the cancellations, Michael, I mean, obviously very large events, you can understand uh, those being cancelled, but are you finding that smaller family events, family gatherings are even cancelling? 
they are. I mean, families are making, I suppose they're heeding the advice. And, and you know, there, there's no issue with that. We understand it. I mean, if you're a family and if you have somebody that might be, you know, or, you know, might have a poor health and, you know, there, there is a risk that they may not have received their booster um, and they go into an environment where potentially uh, COVID be contracted, could be contracted again, well, then potentially uh, families are, are making those decisions to postpone or defer or, or maybe put it out to a date, a date into the future. But that day to, de- to be determined until we move to a state and point in time when COVID is, is I suppose, is no longer the threat that it is right now. And I suppose, you know, from our industry perspective, you know, we urge people to go out and become vaccinated. We urge people when they're called for their, uh, their, their booster jabs, go out and get those booster jabs and do take personal responsibility. But in doing that, it's having an impact on our industry and our businesses. And as a result, um, we need those government supports to continue and we need the government just to go that extra mile with us. We're prepared to do it. We need government to be there shoulder to shoulder with us. And, and I don't think there's anybody in the industry disputing that. We will play our part. But in doing that, we need to ensure uh, the, the, the support continues. So mm. an example of my own business, which was kind of a preface to, to one of your questions, um, I had a Christmas party night booked for the 10th of December, where there was a host of different companies coming together and, and gathering, if you like, there was 321-odd people booked. So it was a generated revenue of about €40,000 for the hotel on that date. And uh, we're down, as I think, just under 20 people at this point now. Wow. And, you know, it's not just your, your own hotel that suffers. The local economy also loses out, doesn't it? Really good point. Um so, you know, those 321 people we'd be purchasing off our, our, our drink suppliers, our butchers, our vegetable suppliers. So, there's an, you know, there's a part of the economy that isn't front-facing, uh, but they're in, indirectly they're impacted as well. And, of course, then, if I don't have work for the 136 people that I employ in my business, um, I won't be able to, to, to bring them into work. And subsequently, then they've probably less money in their pockets to pay mm-hmm. out in and spend in the local economy. It's a huge that's why the, yeah. and that's why the employment wage subsidy scheme is so important because it has allowed businesses like mine to maintain the jobs of really valuable people, people who work hard in hospitality, who are wonderful ambassadors for our industry. Um, and uh, you know, it's 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 it, it's certainly concerning times. Yeah, and here's an here's an example of one of those workers. This is a listener in West Cork who has worked in the hospitality sector in the same job for the last 30 years. I'm off at the moment due to no work. I'm on holiday pay. It's extremely quiet in the hospitality sector. All of the Christmas parties that had been arranged have now been cancelled at my place of work. So that's and that's coming from West Cork. This is reflected all over the country. Right across the country, the Irish Hotels Federation is a national, uh, I suppose, lobbying organisation representing the hospitality sector for hotels and guest houses. They conducted a survey over the last 10 days and it's estimated 19 million euro worth of revenue has been written off our books. And I'm sure if that survey was conducted this week, a significant more millions would be added on top of that 90 million because the cancellations are coming in. And look, we understand, as I said, public health is number one. But in doing that, in order to sustain our businesses, we need those government supports to continue, Patricia. Yeah, and we know the government are meeting tomorrow. Now, a lot, if you're reading the papers today, a lot of the focus is about uh, children and what, what do we do to try to stop the curve of uh, COVID-19 in the, in the smallies. But you, the hospitality sector has got to be on that agenda for that meeting tomorrow, doesn't it? 
absolutely, along with any other industries that are affected. So, you know, our weddings now are, are finishing at midnight because of the new uh, restrictions. So typically with a wedding, your band would play till about 12.30 and then your DJ would come on and rock on then till 2am in the morning. So there's another industry there that has been, uh, you know, it was wiped out to a degree and there's, you know, little or no mention about that particular sector and their jobs and, and families' incomes are connected to that as well. So uh, that needs to be concerned as well. And I know governments are listening. They've acknowledged it. Our Taoiseach has said it uh, and other members in Cabinet have acknowledged. But I suppose, like everything else, you know, it, the anticipation of, of what's coming is concerning. December isn't going to be as strong or as busy as we thought it would be. Occupancy levels are only running at about 34% for the month of December across the entire industry. And that's very concerning yeah. when you have January and February uh, occupancy figures projected at around 14 or 15%. Are you, are you, wor- are you worried about the first three months of next year, Michael? Um, I am, I'll be honest with you. I think it's, it's difficult. It's going to be a big challenge for our sector. But like that, if government step in, which they have all along and to be absolutely truthful and, and honest about it and to call it as it is. If government maintains that support, we will get through it. We're, we're, a, we're a resilient industry, but we need that extra effort. And, and, extra and you're miles. such an important industry to this country as well. Listen, Michael, stay safe and uh, we'll chat again. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Good morning, Patricia. Good, good morning to you. That is uh, Michael uh, Magner, who is the owner of the Vienna Woods Hotel in Glanmire. 1850 John Paul is taking your calls, by the way. I'm told that the road from Hazelwood to New Two-Pot House in North Cork is closed. Uh, It's due to open shortly and that was following an accident earlier, but it's closed at the moment. The road from Hazelwood to New Two-Pot House. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Congestion charges as high as €10 a day for cars to enter. Cork City Centre are among a range of measures considered in a report on sustainable travel. It was commissioned by the Department of Transport to get the views on what is the Five Cities Demand Management Report. I'm joined by the current Lord Mayor of uh, Cork City, uh, Councillor Colm Kelleher. Good morning to you, Colm. Good morning, Patricia. And, uh, I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. A €10 Euro a day congestion charge sounds a tad on the expensive side for most motorists. I take it you would be against something like this for Cork City in its current, the way the city is at the moment. 100% I'd agree with you. Ten euros is fairly steep, to be quite honest with you. Um, I know you did likes of London and stuff like that have implemented congestion charges. I was actually in the UK um, uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was in London and we were in the back of a taxi and um, we were going through the, the centre and I was speaking to the taxi driver about the congestion charge that they've had for some time now. And um, it was just saying people simply ignore it and pay it and get on with it. So it's a kind of a revenue, um, I suppose, stream uh, uh, as opposed to, I suppose, a deterrent. Um, the people of London, um, you know, if they need to get from A to B and they need to drive it, they'll just suck it up and pay it, I think it's nearly £15 in, in, in yeah. London or something like that. But look, like I suppose the idea of it is to take congestion off our streets and reduce CO2 emissions and stuff like that and have, you know, a healthier city with, with air, clean air and stuff like that to stop the pollutants. But my fear is that, like, if you implement something like this without the correct infrastructure in place, i.e. Um, a, a proper bus service, I know we've got CMATs 
is coming down the tracks in relation to light rain and stuff like that. But we're we're a bit away from that. So you you saw. Yeah, and I think it's interesting when you mention uh, London. I would have friends of mine who live in uh, London, and none of them own cars because they say they don't need to own a car if they're actually living in uh, London because of the public transport system. Completely, like you have the tube, you have the buses in London. Um, and they're all fairly reliable. Now, yeah. Look, um, where, where I am in Ballincollig is part of the city. We have the first. We had a number of a year about a year ago, two years ago, we got the first twenty-four hour bus service in the country, um, and it's 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 a roaring success. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I know I use it myself to go into town sometimes, even into City Hall from Ballincollig, um, and it, but that's only one service and it's only one route um, within the city. Um, bus Connects is uh, currently doing public consultation at the moment to improve our bus service within the city and as I mentioned CMATS we do have plans under the Cork uh, Metropolitan Area Transport Strategy um, to implement light rail but that is a, a bit away and like you see with the Patrick Street plan um, like some people blatantly disregard it you know it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's something that was implemented by Cork City Council it's down to Ungarda Sheikhan it's regulated but in fairness to the guards like they can't have you know two guards uh, at both ends of Patrick Street uh, while the ban or the, the, the forces or the ban has been implemented, it's just not viable. And the thing about the congestion charge is, you know, you, you, it'll obviously be done through, I suppose, like an automated system like you would have in the tolls and stuff like that but I don't think it would act as a deterrent right now like you know we are a city of scale you know and in in, in comparison to the likes of London we're a far smaller entity Absolutely absolutely. and the report itself I was reading it over the weekend I mean it it, it even says that it might reduce the traffic in the city centre but all it does then is it moves it to other parts of the city like you know, you you would be looking at um, you know other routes around the city, like so Washington Street, like Curtin Street. Um, you know, how, what would you define as city centre? Then you know, do you take in all the keys? Do you take in you know the South Channel down the South Mall? Do you take Patrick Street, the Grand Parade, all of those Washington Street? And then you know, if you're taking the traffic out of there, you're just pushing it out to the periphery of the city, um, and people are essentially avoiding the city. And like you see with retailers there in relation to the Patrick Street ban, it has affected their uh, turnover and their income um, I know people that won't go next to near town um, because of the Patrick Street band at certain points and you feel for the retailers particularly coming out of Covid and you know all the stresses we have with that and um, to implement a congestion charge and uh, 10 euros like if you're if you're working inside in the city and you're living, let's say, in, in Middleton or Black Rock or Ballancolic or Bishopstone and stuff like that, and you need to bring your car to the city because you can't depend on a bus service that's non-existent. And I suppose it isn't not non-existent, but isn't as regular as it should be. Um, you're going to drive. All right. And this, at the end of the day, is only a report. I mean, I'm assuming the Department of Transport will work closely with the local authorities in the five cities and for us here in Cork to identify any measures that they may consider implementing in the coming years. I would hope so, and I would imagine so. You know, the department won't just write a written and say, listen, get on with it, you know. Um, I'm sure that, you know, if, if, if they do progress with this report and they do ask the local authority, in this case Cork City Council, to examine it or possibly implement it, it'll have to go to the floor of council and it'll have to be discussed. Okay. Um, when that happens, I, I'm unsure, but if it happens under my term uh, as Lord Mayor, even under the term I've left as councillor, I would be voting against this, to be okay. quite honest with you. And we're on the countdown to, to Christmas. Is uh, the city starting to get very busy column it's beautiful i was in there yesterday um and uh, glow looks amazing this year 
It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, I opened it. I had the honour of opening Glow um, on Friday. Um, and I came up to Ballon Colleague. Then I turned on the Christmas lights in Ballon Colleague in my yeah, hometown. Been a busy man. You know, busy busy man. But we went into we, we went to Glow and we went on the Ferris wheel, myself and uh, my seven-year-old daughter and my nine-year-old nephew. Um, and uh, we got one rotation on it and the nephew was petrified if we'd come down again. <laughs> <laughs> and the daughter was giving out that we couldn't go again. <laughs> oh, bless, bless. All right, so... So, and you know we're trying to get everybody I know people will still shop online and there's some things that you can people say you can only shop online but it really is all about shopping locally this year more than ever Colm oh, businesses need, you know, need and, and our money well, they do you know and they say for every euro spent in the local economy it equates to five in, in, in general you know like we have regional towns around Cork County the likes of Mallow the likes of Skibbereen you know the likes of Bandon Clannacilty and all them and, and even in the city here in Ballancolleg I suppose which is a town within the city I would implore everyone to please shop local because at the end of the day the likes of you know these Amazons and you know the, the ASOS's and the, these online shopping they won't you know pay for a dance recital they won't pay for you know support of your local GA club all that money would be leaving the country um, and in particularly what's happening with COVID at the moment and the stresses that retail are under, I would ask everyone to shop locally. Well, well said, well said. In case we don't speak again before Christmas, Colm, have a great one and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks very much, Colm. Good morning. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some people are on about COVID jabs. Let's see if we can get some advice. Mick was on to say, hi Patricia, uh, it's six months since my second jab. I haven't heard anything yet about my booster. Do I wait to be no- notified or do I just call into a vaccination centre? I don't know what age group you're falling into, uh, Mick, but we are, a lot of people are being called. There are walk-ins as well, but we do know there was problems with the walk-ins because too many people uh, showed up yesterday uh, Certainly across the weekend, there was lots of people, even though from what I could gather here in Cork, everyone who's entitled to a vaccination got one. Don't know if it was the same in Dublin. I mean, they had up to five hour waits in Dublin at some of the vaccination centres. And another listener says, Patricia, when did you say the people with underlying health conditions will be able to get their booster? I know of a number of people in their 50s getting theirs this week at a local pharmacy. Can I say pharmacies are playing an absolute blinder? If you have a pharmacy in your area that's giving vaccinations and you're in the group that's now entitled to get a vaccination, I would suggest putting a call through our population in person to your local pharmacy to see if they have availability because they certainly are giving out appointments. Now at the moment if you check on the hse.ie and who's getting the booster at the moment they're saying at the moment they're currently giving boosters to people over the age of 60 those that are in nursing homes they're, they're flying through those they're obviously giving it to all the healthcare workers but they also announced that they're giving it to people aged 16 to 49 with an underlying condition now there's a whole host of underlying conditions you can go online to check it and you know, the obvious ones are cancer patients, people with heart conditions, liver uh, disease, any kind of respiratory uh, disease, diabetes is in there, people with intellectual dis- disability, severe mental illness, so obesity and the list goes on. So that's people with an underlying health condition. And any of those aged between six, 16 and 49, they're entitled to now come forward for their booster. The one anomaly, and I saw a number of people on Twitter talk about this as well, are the people aged 50 to 59. There, there isn't a mention of those, particularly the ones 50 to 59 who have an underlying health condition. Yes, I have heard people in their 50s being called for uh, vaccinations, but certainly the pharmacies, if you check in with your, your pharmacy. But for Mick, if you are in that group 
if you're over the age of 60, then you are entitled to your booster. You can go into one of the va- one of the walk-in vaccination centres, but you need to check and see, is that vaccination centre accepting walk-ins? Some are, some are not. And I don't want to send you to a vaccination centre for you to discover that they're not doing walk-ins. So you're going to need to check that in advance. Also, you could check in with your doctor, GPs. I know in the main have been doing over 70s, but I'm sure that GPs are also going to be doing those with underlying health conditions but again, you're going to need to check with your GP practice because some GP practices who initially were giving out the vaccine earlier on this year, the first and the second dose, they have now become so busy, they've decided not to get involved with the booster campaign and all of their patients then have been sent back to the HSE and they're going into vaccination centres. So you could put a call through Mick to your GP practice to see if they're doing it and get your name down uh, there. But if you can find, if you're in the category of those that they're vaccinating at the moment, then yes, certainly if you can find a walk-in centre, one that's close to you. Uh, Mick's just been back to say, I'm 61 next birthday with an underlying heart uh, condition. Uh, Well, certainly you're falling in 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 two categories and then you are entitled. If you haven't, as you say, you haven't heard yet, I would check, as I say, check with the GP Check with the local uh, pharmacy and failing that you've got to wait your turn because what's happening is the HSE are sending out appointments. John Paul was saying to me that he reckons, and he's he's not sure on this, but he's just saying, judging by the calls he was getting in last week, he's wondering, is it a bit of a postcard lottery? He was hearing of some areas of the county where lots of people aged over 60 were being called into vaccination centres and then he was seeing from other parts of the county where nobody seems to be getting a call so I don't know whether it's a bit of a postcard lottery or not but they're doing their best to work through and send out the appointments and of course they're asking people if you get an appointment and there are a number of people who've received appointments who've already got their booster they might have gone to their GP or they might have gone to their local pharmacy and it hasn't gone into the system yet that they've been vaccinated and they're still getting appointments you need to cancel that appointment. I know you can't ring them. It's impossible to get through on on the phone, but there is on your text message, it'll tell you how to cancel it. Now, I know, again, I'm hearing of people that just keep rescheduling another one, another one, and it's very annoying for people. But just keep cancelling because by cancelling it, you make that slot available for somebody else because so many people desperately want to go and get their booster. 1850 And just on where we are at the moment with this Omnicrone, this new strain, which I saw Stephen Donnelly this morning, the Minister for Health, believing it is already in the country. It's just waiting to be identified. Uh, Micah says a lot of this story of Omnicron is based on speculation. We do not know that this new variant contains, or what we do know is that this new variant contains dozens of mutations. The virologists will look at the mutations and they will tell us if they have increased transmissibility, could they invade or evade the antibodies that are being produced by vaccines or otherwise. But the truth is, at this stage, they have no idea until all of the tests, etc., are combined in reality, whether it will be serious, variant or not. There isn't enough data available to suggest that it is more or less severe and we just have to wait for another few weeks for more results. I think the big picture here is that this has come out of somewhere in Africa where exactly nobody knows yet only 4% of the population of that part of the continent is vaccinated. The developed world has failed the rest of the world in terms of providing vaccines to the underdeveloped countries. The big story 
is that we are not safe until everyone is safe, i.e. everyone is vaccinated. It is the unvaccinated that the media should be giving full cover to and expose them for what they are, as they will be our downfall. We need everybody in this country to be vaccinated. It's the only way back to normality, even if it requires mandates to do so, so be it. Thanking you. And that's from Michael. Now, anyone who's against a vaccine, Michael, will completely disagree with you in mandating anybody to get a vaccine. Is it happening in other countries? countries. Uh, It absolutely is. But your core point is 100% right. And Mike Ryan from the World Health Organization from the start of this pandemic and certainly from when we started to see vaccines being rolled out has been on about that. We are not all safe until everyone in the world is safe. We need to start getting more vaccines into the developed um, into into the uh, underdeveloped countries, the third world countries and get them vaccinated because what will continue to happen is there'll be another variant, another variant and another variant all coming out from the countries where these uh, people are desperately waiting to be vaccinated. So you make a, a really valid point and we do need to wait we do need to wait on news. A lot of people were picking up on the weekend on a South African doctor who has dealt with some of the people who have been diagnosed with this Omicron uh, variant who was saying that they were all in the main younger people, younger unvaccinated uh, people and none of them were very unwell. Now, a lot of people were picking up on that and taking great hope and great comfort from that. People were saying there was a lot of tiredness associated with it, but there was little, there was very, there wasn't any of the traditional symptoms that have gone with, say, the Delta variant, like the loss of the loss of a sense of smell and, and taste and the hacking cough and, you know, the bad chest infections and all of that. It doesn't seem to, for the people she had been dealing with, they didn't seem to have any of the, those symptoms. But then I read a further piece that wasn't getting a lot of media attention that was picked up by that same doctor. She was saying that all of the people that she had dealt with who have been identified as having this Omicron variant were young healthy individuals. She said she doesn't know what this particular variant would do in, say, older people or people with an underlying health condition. And that's where we have to let the virologists and the scientists do the work. And Michael is right, it's going to need another few weeks because we need to see, as more of the cases come out, we then need to see you know, is it going to be worse than Delta? Is it going to take over Delta in, transmit- in transmitting? It is possible that it, that it will. But even if it did take over from Delta, could it be a strain of coronavirus that isn't as severe as, say, the Delta virus is? And that would be the great wish that that would, that's the way it would come out. But only time will tell. Thank you for your text, uh, your WhatsApp, uh, Michael. Hi, Patricia, can you explain to me what difference a COVID cert actually makes? Going into a place, you can't visit a hospital from today now unless you have your COVID certificate. That makes no sense. You can have COVID and also pass it on to the more vulnerable people in hospital. I think these COVID certs are not the answer. I know, for example, of somebody that's going to a party. I said to them, you need to be careful. You can still get COVID. The answer I got back was, I'm fine. I've had my booster and I have my COVID certificate and they're blaming the unvaccinated. I'm vaccinated and I haven't used my cert once. Well, the experts are coming out saying you, you, absolutely you can be vaccinated and still pick up COVID-19. But by being vaccinated, you're protecting yourself. You have the antibodies and please God, you wouldn't get very unwell. And the other side of vaccinated 
vaccinated versus unvaccinated while everybody can pick up uh, COVID-19. Those of us that are vaccinated have a tendency not to have it as long as, say, as somebody who's unvaccinated. So the unvaccinated person then can, can be shedding the virus longer than somebody that is vaccinated. But you're doing the right thing by being vaccinated for sure. 1850 Back to the Late Late Toy Show. People still thinking about uh, talking about this. Uh, Frank in from Oi. Morning Patricia, glad to hear you're on the mend from that horrible virus that's doing the rounds at the moment. Don't overdo things now that you're back. Thank you for that. Uh, we too also felt that the toy show was lacking the traditional Christmas flair. With more emphasis being, I felt, on a commercial angle, says Frank, than a festive one. I wonder if the toy show was held in mid-December rather than in late November. Would that make a difference? Would it make it more Christmassy? Also, Patricia, we were at home wondering, has the toy show traditionally been held in November over the years? Wishing you and uh, yours a speedy recovery and a happy and a healthy Christmas. And Frank and Trisha in for my thank you and indeed many happy returns. Uh, no, it wasn't always held in November. It was always held in December back in the day with good old Gable. It was always in December. But what happened was a lot of little boys and girls decided after watching the Late Late Toy Show in mid-December that they were going to change their list to Santa Claus. And that became a bit of a problem for Santa Claus and a bit of a problem for the mammies and daddy so for that reason they decided to push it out to the end of November which then gave families and Santa Claus a chance if people decided to change their mind but this year there was definitely less toys and I think that's got to do with the fact that there is a problem Santa Claus even has a problem with sourcing some of the toys uh, this year Uh, thank you for your text though Claire says RTE are leaving the Christian theme out of the toy show they're losing the plot says Claire and somebody else pointed out and I saw this but it was only half I was kind of chatting at the same time before the toy show started the 9 o'clock news was on and the 9 o'clock news ended with the switching on the Christmas lights at RTE and it's something that they always traditionally do on the day of the late late toy show and now they did have a choir and they did have a choir singing a Christmas uh, hymn but they mentioned that when they were doing the introduction piece that they were switching on the festive lights as opposed to switching on the Christmas lights 1850 and I don't know if that's somebody reading too deep into that statement uh, or not and here's one listener looking for help can anybody tell me please how do you wash stuck on grease off my cooker hood it's 20 years old. I thought if I could get all the grease that's stuck on it from the years and years of gorgeous cooking that's gone on in your household, I then might be able to put Ron Seal on it so it'll be easier to wash in the future. Does anybody know how to, it's almost, I can almost visualise it in my mind. It's kind of baked into it at this stage. The wooden cooker hood, 20 years of grease. How do you remove it? Any suggestions, please, for our listener? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Clonakilty Park Hotel. They've got a vacancy for a kitchen porter. CVs, please, to mcarolyn at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie. Teleporter driver is required for the Douglas area and they've got vacancies for construction workers in Watergrass Hill and in Mayfield. CVs please to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. Qualified mechanic is wanted for McCroom. Philip is your contact at 087 25 And Caulfield's Super Value there in Bandon. 
They're looking for a sales assistant for permanent and seasonal positions. CVs please to vacancies at coffees.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Children's Minister Roderick O'Gorman has confirmed that the legislation needed for the exhumation of the Tomb Mother and Baby Home will not now be finalised until 2022. Joining me with her reaction to this news is social historian Catherine Corliss. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning. And and you're welcome. And firstly, I have to say congratulations to you. I saw that yesterday was the day you picked up the Irish Red Cross Lifetime Achievement Award for all of your work on the Tomb Mother and Baby Homes. And I know you're such a humble person and you're never into this for for awards, but that must have been quite a special one yesterday. Uh, It was indeed because it has the word humanitarian and that's what my work is all about because it's just uh, a human reaction to an atrocity that happened in Tube and the fact that I have to battle on for years at this stage to get justice. And But uh, the Red Cross, I, I have no doubt that will have impact on my work and in recognition it might wake up the government a little bit more to do the right thing. And your research first revealed that some babies have been buried in a, in a septic tank. Am I right in saying that dates back to 2014? Uh, that's that's when um, the story, Broke. that's when my research was exposed, not yeah. alone to Ireland, but to the world. And that really made a huge difference because I exposed this back in, well, uh, well over a year before that, but uh, no notice was taken. And I was horrified with that. And I felt I had no option only just to keep fighting and to expose this and to make sure that something was done. I was horrified that that uh, nobody was really interested, nobody in government or nobody in local authority or even the church or the religious. And that really horrified me. And I think it just gave me the strength to keep going and to keep fighting for them and to fight against this injustice. But to hear now that the legislation won't be finalised until next year, are you shocked, disappointed, frustrated? What was your reaction when Roger O'Gorman made that statement? Uh, well, I suppose I would neither of the words you called out there, because I'm so used to it now. Because um, you see, that has been my battle since uh, 19, or sorry, 2017, when it was uh, discovered that yes, these were the home babies, and yes, they were they were disposed of in uh, a defunct sewage system, the chambers of a sewage system, and I thought my work was done at that stage. But uh, it just dragged on and dragged on. And I just realised then, OK, I have to keep fighting because even this horror, I mean, the government spoke a time of their horror of what happened in Tume and something must be done and all these lovely words and it all fell apart. It was put away for a while. Nobody was taking any responsibility. And even in the final report as well, uh, I mean, when our teacher comes out with everybody is to blame, I mean, what can we do? We can only just keep exposing and keep with the media and just keep shouting at the government. So, um, And have you I any suppose, understanding yeah, yeah. why the legislation would, would take so long? I believe in, because, because uh, well, you, you see, I'm getting bits of insight and I don't especially blame Roderick O'Gorman. He does what he's told as far as I can make out. I don't think he has the final say. I blame the civil servants who are putting these uh, proposals together. They spent weeks and months, take as long as they like to put proposals together. And I just, I have got an insight 
uh, from 2019, when uh, when especially, you know, when when uh, we, we thought that uh, exhumations were beginning. But uh, I got I got a bit of an insight into the civil service people at the time when they were deciding. And I'll just read you out four different little points. Just goes to show what we are really up against and to wake up and just to see what we're up against. I'm quoting from different civil servants that I got from a decent person within that uh, within that government. Uh, I'll read you the first one. Uh, sure, that have died in the tenements anyway, number one. Number two, they're only after redress. Now, this is referring to survivors. Uh, and then, we're the Department of the Future, not the past. Held at the most senior level, this was said. And lastly, Chum is like the World Trade Centre. Too costly and complex to investigate. Oh, and the same God. thing, you'd be digging up half the country. Now, that is from a letter, and uh, I have evidence of that. It's from different uh, comments from people yeah, within the civil service. Yeah. So that is what we are up against. So it doesn't surprise me that this will be dragged out. I but really you, believe but, they're but, waiting for the babies to disintegrate. Yeah, but see, what, what, what annoyed me when I, when I again heard Roger O'Gorman saying it'll be next year before we'll, we'll bring in the legislation, when COVID landed on our shores... The government were and the civil servants were were able to show how quickly, when they need to bring legislation in, how yeah. quickly they can do it. It they doesn't do, need yeah. to take. Yeah. I, I, by yeah. the time it comes in, you'll, yeah. it'll be eight years since you first exposed yeah. it. I know. Uh, well, as I said there, I do believe they're waiting for the baby to disintegrate but when they, they might go in and do a small dig and they'll say it's not worthwhile and they'll put a statue or something and they'll get the archbishop to come up and bless it because that's what they want. But that is what we are all fighting against. The church were complicit in this and so are the religious sisters. So our aim is just to keep the church out of it and just to get the babies out of there, give them a coffin, bury them decently. And I think, I'm, I suppose I am hoping at this stage because we know now that more or less the world is looking in. Um, but because of my exposure back in 2014, it has, it has led to um, Canada being exposed, uh, Glasgow, um, Edinburgh, and different places, mm. and, and England, and the Northern Ireland are, are setting up their own inquiry. And I think, I, I do believe, at the end of the day, though, in all honesty, the immense pressure will be on the government to do the right thing. And yeah, and it is, it is in the yeah. past, but we can't forget the past. You know, at least we forget. We can never forget what happened. But that's okay since it's in the past. But I mean, in our group alone in Chum, there are there are about uh, well, there are a lot of families who have siblings buried there. Yeah. I mean, how are they feeling? You, you know, how would how would you feel? How would I feel to have a little brother or sister down in the sewer? Well, you can't visit them and put and, it up a And little, age, a I take headstone. it, Catherine, is against some of the families waiting to see if their family members are one of those little babies. I mean, I mean I'm well, assuming some of the mothers. Than, they are more than likely. There is the possibility, again, of all of, of, of forced adoptions, of illegal adoptions. And I mean, you, you see the difference all across the range of the different aspects of this uh, mother inquiry, mother and baby home inquiry. You have the adoptions, you see, illegal adoptions. It's all tied in, really. Are all the babies in the sewer? Uh, we, we know they're not all there. We know they're in, under the playground. We know they're in the grass verges as well. And uh, I mean, we know that. And everything, all that area has to be has to be excavated to, to, to find them all. And uh, I mean, it's all, it's all connected, you see, right across the whole board. Mm. Have you any idea on the numbers that could possibly be there? Well, 
it's not possible for 796 babies to be down in the 23 chambers. We okay. know that it wouldn't reach that number. But we know there, and it has been proven that they're buried under the playground and underneath. And they're oh buried, those children were luckier, I suppose. They got boxes because it was, it was uh, before the tank became uh, defunct. We know they were buried under the grounds and we have a fair idea where they are. So, I mean, we can only wait for the stage. You work with a lot of the uh, survivors and their families, uh, Catherine. What, yeah. what, what was their reaction to the recent redress scheme? Uh, well, I suppose our group in Shum, uh, we, we hadn't gone into that in big detail. You see, first and foremost, um, what they wanted was an acknowledgement of, and, and, a bit, and to be treated a bit decently, an acknowledgement of who they were. They wanted records. They wanted to find who their mother was, where she went. They wanted to know how the more family. That was uh, their priority at the time. And, I mean, uh, redress was more or less down there somewhere. It was more so wanted um, an enhanced, well, not the government are saying enhanced medical card. I don't know what that means. They wanted a proper, decent medical card. They wanted professional counselling to help them through this. That was that that came, you know. That, that was the redress they were really looking for. And if there was a bit of money, nobody's money at the end of it. Nobody's going to say no to that. They're they're entitled to that. But uh, I mean, I, I think that's the belief in Ireland. You know that oh, they're looking for money. They're looking for money. And not in not in my case it anyway. Not yeah. for the people that I've been helping. It's, yeah. it's really interesting. They want closure. Identity. They want yeah. closure. They want uh, identity. And as you say, I mean, for any of us to think of a family member and their little remains in yes. a septic tank just doesn't yeah. bear thinking about. It just doesn't bear thinking. And what is the site like at the moment, uh, Catherine? And, and how, how, do, how do local people feel about it? Well, if you will, you'll see the site. It's it, 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 it's it's plastered everywhere. For, for you know, it, it covers every every uh, bit of news that's in the newspapers. They'll always show the little grotto on that. It looks okay. It looks grand. But what's underneath it? Like what I said to Roderick O'Gorman when he spoke to me there last September. He came down to the site, and we stood on the ground. And I said to the minister, I said, Minister, you're standing right on top of the chambers of the sewage tank. I said there are hundreds of little babies in this area. So uh, that's what it looks like. It looks grand. It's a garden and it's well kept because it's kept by the local people. Uh, the local people themselves, they're, they're quite helpful. They offer electricity any time there's uh, any events there. They come out and they're helpful. So uh, mm. they don't mind. There was, a, there was a theory that, oh, they're going to dig up our back gardens. They're going to go under our houses. I remember that, yeah. That's, yeah, not, no, I, that's I, not the case. No, I've stated that over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Because I've studied the maps. I've studied the but old maps. But it's just the, you know, we've, yeah, we all yeah. grew up with that tradition when you go to yeah. visit a graveyard. You don't walk on the graves. I know, you know that. We, we, know all, that. we yeah. all remember that as, as children. Yeah. I mean, the Absolutely. idea of, I'm just picturing you inside in that area with the minister and yeah. as you say you're standing on top of yeah well yeah hundreds of children and Stress. I suppose he's just trained not to say anything and he doesn't say anything he just nods and he just goes back with that story I suppose so well look at I, I we're used to delays all along and it's sad I, I, I believe well he did say that you see he has been promising and promising that it will be the end of this year and then it has moved to the first quarter. So we'll year. just wait and see. We will take him at his word for now. Okay. And get the, that's our aim at the moment, to get that legislation passed so they okay. have no excuse then and, not to go and, in. And you're, you're still fighting on, you're not giving up anyway, that's oh, God, for sure. We, ha- we absolutely have to. We yeah. just cannot at this stage. We just cannot. And also, I would like to add, 
uh, and I've stated it a few times, I don't think all this should be left to the taxpayer. I am still hoping that the church and the, well, as regards to them, the Bonds Court Sisters will come on board because they're a multi-billion euro organisation and they can well afford it and I'm hoping they'll dig a bit deeper in their pockets to help out the taxpayer. Okay, well said. All right, listen, Catherine, you look after yourself. No doubt we will speak again. But thanks a million for uh, joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. Uh, She's just incredible. That is uh, Catherine Corliss of the Two Mother and Baby Home. Only for her, we never would have found out what had happened at the Two Mother and Baby Home or what happened uh, to those little babies. And once again, congratulations to her. And, And indeed, the other very worthy winners who won yesterday at the Irish Red Cross their annual awards but Catherine picked up a Lifetime Achievement Award and by golly was that well deserved 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie Shirkin Island Development Association has launched a fundraising initiative to purchase Shirkin Island's national school buildings and gardens. And to find out more, I'm joined by Ashleen Moran, who is the project coordinator from the Shirkin Island Development Association. Good morning to you, Ashleen. Good morning, Patricia. And How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. I, I suppose a bit of the history here. When did the school close and has it been used for anything since? No, so the school closed in June 2016, officially like the August, September of that year, that's the way they do it. And nobody has been into it really since. There's been no access to it. Um, and it's just been sitting there since then. Well, is it in good nick? It's okay. There, there's, a, there's one main building and that's holding tough good. And then there's a few other outbuildings that really need a bit of work there. One of them's gone now at this stage. It, it, it didn't survive the weather, I'd say. And I take it it's in the ownership of the Department of Education. Are, are they up for selling? It's it, actually not. It's in the, the ownership of the Board of Trustees, Cork and Ross. Oh, OK. So it belongs to the church? Yes. <laughs> would they give it to you? Um, I, they can't. I would say, to be fair to them, they're, they're governed by the charities regulator. We've seen that come in. You know, you'd hear about different charities over the last few years. Yeah. So I don't think it's possible. Now, I could be wrong on that. I do not think it's possible for charities to give away assets. Okay, but maybe, but maybe for a nominal sum. Um, they have to. They have to give it at what the charities regulator would deem okay. would be. Yeah, it, it, it's. Government we're guidelines we're steeped in rules. regulations aren't we in, in this country okay but this this is a building um, obviously Ashley full of so many memories for everybody in yeah. the local community isn't it it's heaped with history it's he- it's like in 2016 we 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 knew that there was 128 years of education after going through the school and that's phenomenal for a small island community so there's so many people come pa- and we see it on online that's the beauty of Facebook and social media these days is we see people connecting to it and say, oh, my great-grandfather or great-grandmother went to school here. And it's just one of the things when we were looking at, will we will we try and buy this? It was like, it'll be really sad to see this building be the end of the connections that are made. Do you know? So we wanted to continue that, that to make sure that that this is a community building where connections are continued to be made into the future. Well done, well done. And your plans for the building and the gardens? So at the moment, 
like we've nothing in stock, like absolute absolute in place. We want to we want to be able to buy it first, and then the the whole community can come together and decide. And to to me, Patricia, the real story about this is really a community taking taking control of its destiny. So, like when we look at rural communities or island communities, there's a lot of dependence on perhaps local authority or government initiatives to to try and get things up and running or private enterprise. So now what we want to do is is, is a, a community to, to take control of it and be that a cafe, a heritage centre, you know, an exhibition space, somewhere where people can come and gather. We we will all sit down together and discuss it and it'll be for every, everybody to, to decide what's the most viable option. But there's so many options and we're short of space in Shirkin for things like that. What is the population of Shirkin at the moment? The permanent population is around 100 okay. and then it's 12 to four or 500 in, in the, the summer. summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you set a target on, on what you need to raise? Yeah, we've 80,000 other targets that we need to raise. Okay. Um, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. But you know, people are so kind and so generous. Like we only launched this less than a month ago and we're at 23,000. Brilliant. And we just, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, and to say that, if people, lots of people are giving big sums, but lots of people are giving a five or a tenner, and every little bit helps. And and that's all. And all we're trying to do is, is really take control of our own future, so that we have a space that we can have for you know any kind of activities to welcome people in, to do within the community, anything like that. Um, and and that's kind. Of the story really yeah, is. I, lo- I love that. You're lighting the candle rather than cursing the darkness. It's it's fantastic. Now you tell me about this Connect the Dots initiative. So basically, when myself and uh, the board sat down and we realised that for Shirkin to really be viable into the future, there was a few different things that it needs. And for us, that connected us is all these dots need to be connected. And be they enterprise, be they, you know, the community centre, education, um, anything like that. So like at the moment, we're hoping to launch we're, uh, a BCP, which is a broadband connection point and have a digital hub ready in the in the hall it's that we have at the moment it's very small but but that would be enable people to work from home from the island so that's one dot that we need to join up and then we probably need the community space in terms of the 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 school mm. um, and and connect that dot to not create employment or and then we need housing which is another dot so we're calling it nart connect the dots and what that means is is like there's strength in unity and we want to bring all of these dots together. So this isn't just about buying the old national school. This is about creating viable community spaces in housing, in infrastructure, in employment, in enterprise, in broadband, so that, you know, our kids' kids can continue to live on Shirkin because otherwise our numbers will continue to dwindle. And it is, I like your saying about lighting the candles. So we looked at something that most people w- would see as a negative or a real kind of sadness in the community. And we said, no, hang on a second. We're going to take control of this situation and change the narrative. Fantastic. And as you say, yeah. the diaspora from all over the world, reaching out to them, they may be able to help. Absolutely. Like the diaspora have been great. And there's so many people that have connections with Cherkin and even people that come out around West Cork for the summer. And we know it's an ask and, and, and it's a tough time. So if people only have a fiver or a tenner, they can donate. If you, if you go on to shirkanisland.ie, 
there's like a, a little button on our website saying help Cherkin community by the old national school and it's there. Because I, I take a huge sense of sadness when the school closed in 2016. Massive, yeah. yeah massive sense tough. of that. A lot, really. Like a school on an island is, is its future, it's the kids, it's all of that. And we've been really lucky now that the the, the ferry service that's there with the department um, brings the kids out to school. So we're just looking at it as, you know, yes, there was a massive sense of sadness, but let's try and take control of it and, you know, create life in that building again. And it could be education, it could be arts, it could be heritage, it could be a cafe, it could be exhibition spaces. But what we'll have so much fun deciding that mm. amongst ourselves. And the whole community can do that. And anyone that contributes can give ideas and it will be what will be most viable, really, at the end of the day then. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, I'm sitting here looking out at a lovely, calm, sunny day where, where I am. Is it a beautiful day on Shirkin today? It's like a summer's day. Ah. There's no cold in the air. It's flash calm. Ah. It's just so sunny. Oh, my goodness. It's the place to be. You, you know, are blessed. You are truly yeah, we, blessed. We, we are blessed. If we do, if we did lonely space for people to come out and gather and join, wouldn't it be fabulous on a day Unreal. like today? <laughs> Unreal. We will stay in contact with you for sure. Once again, just remind people how they can find out more and more importantly, how they can donate. Yeah, so if you go on to shirkanisland.ie, um, on the very first, there's an orange button that says help Shirkin community by the old national school. And you can click on that. And within that then, there's information on the whole NART initiative which is like what we're what we're trying the builder the bigger picture we're trying yeah, to build what you're about stay in contact with us Ashley real pleasure talking to you thank you for that you too Patricia. and thanks thank for you very joining much us. and thanks for the opportunity cheers good Bye-bye. morning to you Ashley Moore and their project coordinator uh, with the Shirkin Island Development uh, Society wonderful group and we wish them the best of luck with the purchase of the old national school you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Today is the day that we start to give away these wonderful Super Value gift cards here at C103 and we are planning on covering your Christmas expenses this year. We have a total of €5,000 worth of Super Value gift cards to give away and the first one valued at €500 will be given away today with C103's Christmas uh, covered. Uh, Hopefully you've already listened this morning at 9 o'clock when Ken started to ring the Christmas bells again at 2 o'clock you need to count the Christmas bells with Nick and then at 5 o'clock the final set of bells for today will be played by Martina you'll have three totals at that stage you add up your three totals and then when Martina tells you you can text our WhatsApp with the full amount of all the bells that were rung today at 9, at 2 and at 5 for your chance to win and then Martina on her programme today will be announcing our first winner and somebody will be €500 better off and we'll have one of these wonderful Super Value gift uh, cards perfect for every occasion. They're available in store or as an e-gift card that can be sent with a personal message. You can search Super Value gift cards to find out more. So 9 o'clock 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock every day across this week and again next week. Your chance to have Christmas covered, as I say, €5,000 in total to be given away here on uh, C103. And stay on the Christmas 
theme now because the fest- for our, as part of our festive season our famous Santa Calls are back. These are always great fun with Nick Richards in the afternoon here on C103. For your chance to get a call from Santa in the North Pole we need you to go to c103.ie right now and there's a special form on c103.ie. Fill out that form and then stay listening because we could be calling a smallie in your household. That's Nick Richards Santa Calls week days from 1pm with McCarthy Interiors and Gift Shop Douglas and Ballancolic Shopping Centres. Call now for festive bedding, gifts and decor. See mccarthyinteriors.ie But it's important that you register your smallie if you think they would like to have a very special call from the man himself. C103.ie And somebody was on to us earlier looking to where to buy a real Christmas tree in Mallow. I know in Mallow the Christmas trees are on sale in Carmarkle Lane at Car Park. It's um, Tom and uh, Deirdre are selling them. They used to be with Sheehan's Greengrocers, you know, the Greengrocers that unfortunately had to close down and a lot of people were bemoaning the fact of the wonderful Sheehan's Greengrocers uh, closing in Mallow and they had a tradition every year of selling Christmas trees and even though the Greengrocers is closed, they're keeping up the tradition of selling the Christmas trees and they're on sale every day. They're open all week, including Sunday, so you can go along and because it's important that you take a look at the tree and decide if it's the right tree for you. So Carmichael Lane Car Park in Mallow for those that were looking for Christmas trees in at Mallow earlier. 1850 Can you keep your questions coming in for Annalise Trussella, nutritional therapist? She'll be joining us later on in this hour. I can already see questions coming in. Uh, hi Patricia, I'm just wondering, there is a very wide path that has it runs down to Mallow Breaks in Mallow. They've narrowed the junction there and f- to me it's a disaster. If you want to turn left coming from the wild goose side. They could have improved the junction but why did they have to make it so narrow? Have others noticed that? Hi Patricia, could you please give a shout out and let us know if anybody knows of a house to rent in the Kiskame Boherbui area? Thanking you. Anybody know of a house for rent Kiskame Boherbui area? My heart goes out to anyone who is trying to rent at the moment. It's almost impossible, is it not? But anyway, let's. it's, it's a long shot but who knows? Maybe somebody knows of a house that has suddenly become available Kiss Game Boherbui area let us know and the listener that's, we've got the listener's telephone number here we can pass the details on to you Michael says Hi Patricia glad to see you're back you're feeling better thank you Michael my goodness what a beautiful woman Catherine Corliss is who you interviewed in the last hour the service she has done for those people and those beloved little babies as you said at least we forget we have a lot to look at indeed closer to home here in Cork and Besber there needs to be a lot more investigation done into the whole story yeah and I have a funny feeling that just having a redress scheme I don't think that's going to be enough for a lot of families because a lot of families they just need closure and Catherine Corliss has been amazing I know how many times I've interviewed her now since she first went public back in 2014 but here will be will be eight years by the time they bring out the legislation in order to start doing to exhume the body and you know what it's like with legislation when it starts it'll take forever to get it to go through so we could be this time next year still talking about the fact that these babies need to be exhumed and for the families many of them are getting older and uh, they fear that they'll be gone before the babies are ever exhumed they just want a decent Christian burial for them which all of those little babies so so uh, deserve Hi Patricia thank you for your text Hi Patricia I wonder what it, what's the detailed explanation given by the government 
as to the regards with exhuming the remains of the June babies. And nobody seems to know. There just always seems to be one excuse after the other and there's no definitive reason why they're not doing it. It, it does. I mean, Catherine's gut instinct tells her it's a delay tactic and she's hoping, or she, she's a feeling that there's somebody somewhere thinking if we delay it long enough, sure the bodies will have decomposed so much there'll be nothing there to exhume. And I, and I, ho- I really hope that that is not uh, the case. Uh, thank you for your text. What a wonderful woman, Catherine Cordes is. The government are a disgrace, says Anne. We really have been left down when it comes to the tomb, mother and baby homes. 1850 Oh, to the listener who contacted us about the grease on her cooker hood. 20 years of grease has built up and she's got it into her head that she's going to give it a good clean and then she's going to paint it with Ron Seal so it'll be easier to clean into the future. Couple of suggestions in. Somebody said sugar soap is brilliant. It should work for that lady. Sugar soap. That's an old fashioned thing, isn't it? Sugar soap. To the the lady with the grease problem says somebody else I find elbow grease spray in the Euro shop very good it simply lifts the grease off and when I saw that text coming in I thought it was somebody who was going to say good bit of elbow grease but it's actually a spray called elbow grease spray and that listener says it just lifts off the grease which is exactly what our listener wants and uh, Teresa says Hi Patricia uh, good to hear you back thank you very much uh, talking of cooker hoods that you, you mentioned earlier I can't get filters for mine would anybody know where you can purchase filters for a cooker hood says I don't know if it's Therese or Teresa and do you know something when, when you mentioned God I haven't changed my filter I think my filter could do with changing as well does anybody know where you buy the filter for cooker hoods. Has anybody bought one recently or has anyone spotted them on sale anywhere? If so, can you let us know? 1850-333-103. On the boosters, hi Patricia, I'm 61, I have high blood pressure. I got my last AstraZeneca jab at the end of July. Somebody suffering with high blood pressure, is that considered an underlying health condition? Would I qualify for the booster jab now? Says Tig from Mallow. I've gone down through the list for you, Tig, on the underlying health conditions. And there is a section that says chronic heart and vascular disease. But the examples that they give are heart failure, uh, hypersensitive, hypertension. Is it hypertensive? Hypertensive is that high blood pressure? I don't know. Cardiac disease? I I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't straight say high blood pressure. Again, that's something that you need to check in with your doctor because if you're waiting for the call as a 61 year old who got your last AstraZeneca jab at the end of July, it means you're due at the end of December. You'd have another month to wait, and I know a lot of people are nervous uh, about it. And then when I'm suggesting to Tig, as I've suggested to a lot of other people, ring your GP and check in with them. Uh, somebody has said, uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to ring my doctor. Uh, practice if only they'd answer the phone it can take three and a half hours to get them to answer that somebody in the North Cork area I must be very lucky my doctor's practice is great I've been on to them because with me being sick and Marsha being sick the previous week I've been on to them a few times and always managed to, uh, to get through with little, little or no uh, weight I suppose it just shows the pressure that some of the GP practices are under at the moment and hi Patricia uh, when people talk about anti-vaxxers I wonder if any of those people who were against vaccination what would happen if they got cancer 
would they refuse treatment as well? I doubt it very much. They, I, I doubt very much that they would turn it down somehow. How? I know of somebody who's currently going through treatment and the amount of drugs that the person has to take is so scary, but they have no choice but only take the treatment. Uh, thanking uh, you. 1850 and just a quick couple of other texts. Somebody wanted to give a shout out, uh, Pat, to say just to warn people and let other people know there's a blue van going around the Churchtown area and they're offering to clean shoots. It may be nothing, but just in case. Well, you're dead right to give out a warning on a Pat because the guards, they tell us that if somebody calls to your door to say, can I clean your shoots no matter what colour their van is or no matter what's written on the side of the van or no matter what cards they hand in or leaflets they hand in because they're so easily easily now to produce yourself. The Gardaí's advice is uh, always is to decline so thank you no I'll get, I'll get my shoots done locally and get somebody local somebody that you know word of mouth because there's a lot of gangsters doing the rounds and they're claiming to be great tradespeople and they're not they're overcharging or else the other one they're doing is they'll do the job and they'll do a job badly that'll end up costing people more so keep a look out for that Pat says it is a blue van and it was in the Churchtown area earlier and we were talking about congestion charges in the city and this report that came out that made the recommendation that it could be up to 10 10 euro a day to drive into the city centre. Dan says it can cost up to 10 euro to park in some of the city centre car parks for just three hours. If you were to add a 10 euro congestion charge onto that, what would it do? The city centre would close down. The car park charges are already locking down the city, says Dan. Well, can I tell you, Dan, that report that I mentioned where there it was five cities were looked at, of which one was Cork, Besides the 10 euro congestion charge, they also had a recommendation in it that car parking charges should go up by 300%, 300% because that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to stop people. They're trying to deter people from going into the city centre. No, I'm wrong in saying that. They're trying to deter people driving into the city centre. And that's all well and good. Congestion charges and high parking charges can work in large cities where they have a decent infrastructure, where they have good public transport. Like we mentioned London when we spoke about the congestion charge. It's been in there for a number of years to try to stop people driving into the city. It hasn't completely stopped people. But they can do it because they've got, you know, a good bus system. They have a good rail system and they've got the tube system. You know, and until we have a system like that here in Cork, I don't think we can even consider putting up car parking charges, which, as you say, is already expensive. And they certainly can't consider looking at a congestion charge. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. The Alzheimer's Society in Mallow, they're currently fundraising for their new building. And they're asking people to support... Billy O'Connolly's Texas Hold'em card game. It's on New Year's Day in Mallow GAA Complex. It'll start at four in the afternoon. There'll be cash prizes and hampers on offer. Tickets 20 euro with all proceeds going towards the new daycare centre for Mallow, the Alzheimer Society. And tickets are on sale now for Bally Garvin Camogie Club's annual Christmas draw. Lots of amazing prizes up for grabs. This is the club's only fundraising opportunity this year and you can visit Ballygarvin Camogie Club on Facebook for all of the details. And Brian Clark, who's head chef at the Briary Rose in Douglas, is appealing for donations of new toys. It's to help him provide toys and meals for over 300 children in the area this Christmas. The toy drive runs up to the 19th 
of December and the new toys uh, can be dropped off at the Briary Rose in uh, Douglas. And a GoFundMe page to raise funds to help the wonderful Dennis Connolly return to his home in Reenroar East in Bantry is still open and underway. The aim is to raise €50,000. That money will renovate his home after he suffered life-changing injuries in a car accident earlier this year. You can donate through the GoFundMe page. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. And just on the filters, somebody was looking for the filter for a cooker uh, hood. Filters are available in Drina Co-op in Skibbereen. Thank you, Caroline. And someone else said filters are available at Iona Appliances. They're in Cork uh, City. Hi, Patricia. John from Blackpool, 67. Got my second vaccine in June and I got my booster jab this morning. At O'Shea's Pharmacy, across from Blackpool Church, I was in and out in 50 minutes. Happy out now. Well done, uh, John. Actually, somebody else, because I keep saying to people, check in with your local pharmacy because they really are playing a blinder. And when I mentioned the pharmacy, there was a couple of people on to say that the booster was available in McCroom in Matt Murphy's pharmacy. Uh, they're doing walk-ins all week for the booster jab. And we got on to Matt Murphy's pharmacy just to confirm that it was walk-in and the people didn't need to make an appointment and they've confirmed that's what they're doing. So if you're in the McCroom area and you're eligible for a booster. Uh, pop along to Matt Murphy's pharmacy in McCroom. Still get, oh, before I get to that, de, someone was on to say that they lost a bunch of keys. Somewhere on the main road between Glengariff and Castletown Bear. Did anybody pick up a bunch of keys over the weekend? If so, we've all the information here. The listener would really like to get them back. Or if you're out walking, out and about Glengariff to Castletown Bear and you spot a bunch of keys, pick them up, please, and give us a call. Still getting in calls about the Late Late Show, Jerry in Middleton says he thinks RTE are getting too much flack about the Late Late Toy Show. They can't do right for doing wrong. If they include too many Christmas trees, everybody will say they need to be more inclusive. What about people who don't believe in the Christmas part of Christmas? And then if they change things around, they get blamed as well. Gerard really enjoyed the Late Late Show last Friday night. He said, yes, there there might have been any Christmas trees, but he said it was full of joy and that's what we need at this time of the year. Joan is in for Moy and she's good afternoon to you Joan good afternoon Patricia you're with me on this one you felt it was it was missing Christmas it was missing everything (laughs) absolutely did you not enjoy it at all not really to be honest now I know some of my friends will think I'm a fruitcake but (laughs) I thought from the very start for me it fell flat I I just feel Ryan Tuberty is fantastic he does his very best but from when I saw the audience, now the pandemic possibly has something to do with it. They were only allowed 50 people. Yes, and I can appreciate that. But you couldn't even distinguish some of the people, you know. It was completely, um, I, I just couldn't cope with it. And I thought the toys were very scarce. And the ones that were there, I don't think they'd appeal to that many children. Half of them weren't working, which that's all. That's they weren't, <laughs> yeah. And a lot but of them were kind of bang, bang things. And um, I, there wasn't one act that I could remember in mm. the line of music except the girl with the harp. Everyone, spe- everyone, everyone I have spoken to about over this weekend said that the musical act that stood out oh, was the girl with the harp. Just, normally I would tape it and I did tape it 
because I'd rewatch the things that I would like in yeah. music. Yeah. And I deleted it in a kind of a temper <laughs> at five or ten past twelve. There was no way I was going to watch any bit of it. And while it raises a fortune and it's badly needed, and I'm not a miser, I always contribute to different things, especially at Christmas. But I wonder, is it the right time with a captivated audience to be putting on these appeals? I would prefer some other show where you would... um, exclude Christmas and all that and just have an, a show where you could contribute money. Mm, like well, they used to do people in need. Remember that years ago they haven't done yeah, that now in years. Exactly. Like this. Or in England they do the Red Nose Day. Don't yeah, they? Anything yeah. like that. But yeah, I okay. don't know. Um, but still, I mean, generous, gen- oh, the generosity of Irish people, 6.5 million in the fantastic. middle of a pandemic is incredible. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not taken from that because that is brilliant. But I just feel in the last few years it's deteriorating. I don't think I'd look forward to it now again. Ah, ah. And um, like, it's not even the lack of a tree, but it would have been nice to me when they sang Oh Holy Night. That to me was part of the late place. You see, I, I mentioned that as well. You, you, they used to always finish up. Would that. you remember the girls from Loretta went up I a few do. years ago with Sister Nula? They were superb. But and it would it would leave you with that tingling feeling Beautiful. that Christmas was so yeah. many weeks away, and you. It would. You. I was flat. Yeah, I mood. fell flat after it when the the last song played. Yeah. No, to me now, I got flatter at the last <laughs> song. But all through it, I just couldn't. And I was visualising even the youngest grandchildren child falling asleep, possibly an hour into it, you know, yeah. because I didn't think there was much to hold anyone. Well, a lot of parents have contacted us today to say their children, if half ten, they got an hour out of them. But I mean, I know traditionally that does happen. But, you know, a couple of listeners are making the point, why don't they start it at 8 o'clock? At 8 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it is really the smallies are the ones it that is. are most hyped about it. Have a shorter show, you know. Have it over a ten sort of stuff. Reshuffle yeah. the news for one night. Yeah, yeah. Surely that's possible. I, I just felt like it was so hyped up, and even our grandchildren have this hot chocolate and goodies, and tis a big night with them. And I wasn't on to them now to find out since, but. Um, I'd be curious to know how the older two should they're gone from it really. But it used, it was an adult show as well, like not everybody loved mm. it as mm. a rule. Okay, yeah. And I I think I think it's the theme. Uh, just the and look it was lovely to do the Lion King and all that, but I just think they could have made it a little bit more Christmassy. Yeah, I think you're I, right about the audience. The audience used to sit there with Santa hats on yeah, and, and you know But that was lovely. Yeah. Uh, but that they was were gone this year as well. Kind of covered, and I didn't get any kick out of the audience. Yeah, yeah. There would be um, a couple from, she would be from Formoy. They won the tickets. I couldn't even make See. them out. <laughs> and I was dying to, I was thinking, is she a girl in a red and black dress? But I'll find that out from okay. here okay. eventually. All right, well, here's to next year, and let's hope they, they maybe they learn, or maybe yeah, we're I wrong just, and others, everybody else is right. But certainly the majority of texts and calls we've had in today. Yeah, and I feel just sorry for Rental because he he's, does put his heart and, and soul into it. brilliant with the children. He's outstanding he's and he's so sympathetic and, yeah. like, uh, and the money is great but I think it 
it left me depressed thinking of all the handicapped kids and the little girl we saw sitting face forward, you know. Isabella. Brilliant. Is, yeah, she was beautiful. She, she was, was beautiful. adorable. And little and Finn who got to ring the cancer bell. Oh, he was. Yeah. I mean, the children, yeah. those were lovely. But overall, the music and the general set up, yeah. I would prefer not have a team for a few years okay. and just have a lovely Christmas okay. background. Okay, listen, we'll leave it there, Joan. Okay. Thank you for that. Have a good Christmas you if I don't too. talk to you Thanks and look million. after yourself. And uh, staying on the TV theme, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That's been off for the last two nights because of Storm Arwen and how it uh, affected the area where they've been filming the I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. ITV have just announced that it is going, it's cancelled again for tonight. Uh, it's it's not going to be going ahead uh, tonight either. They've made the tough decision not to air tonight's show. Um, they can't win the battle against the ferocious weather that they're currently experiencing. So I don't know. I was seeing yesterday and hearing yesterday that it might be gone. <laughs> it might be gone completely. I don't know. They're, they're still haven't cancelled it fully, but it's not going to go ahead tonight. So it'll be the third night that I'm a Celebrity hasn't been uh, on. 1850 333 John Paul taking your calls. We're looking for your questions for Annalise Drissel, please, our nutritional therapist. Uh, you can get those in. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This is Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
And our nutrition therapist, Annalise Drussell, uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And I mentioned earlier that I was off last week because I've came, I got some kind of a virus thing that completely floored me. I was just exhausted and I could hear you in my head saying source of life, source of life. <laughs> so I went um, off, I went off and yeah. I got it. And actually I mentioned it this morning that, that I've, I've started on it and the amount of people that have said based on your advice that they've taken it. And it's just, it's, it's like jungle juice. It's incredible stuff. It is. When you know what, it's, it's a complete tonic in terms of nutrition and there's lots of stuff in there for the immune system, but it's the ginseng, I think, that gives you that perk straight away. Yeah. So you're not waiting for it to kick in. Like with other multis, I think, you know, it can be a few weeks before you'll notice the benefit. But that ginseng gives you an immediate boost. So that's the great thing about it. I it think. really is great. How long should I, I mean, uh, the, the, the big bottle will do me a month, I think, isn't it? I think a month is plenty. Patricia, is it? myself, yeah. I nearly always take it around this time of the year. I take a month and I'd probably take another month in February when I'm feeling a bit low energy-wise, but sometimes then I just might do a week of it if I was having a particularly busy week. You can get it in a small bottle. So, And then I know a lot of my teacher customers stay on it all year, um, all the yeah, right. academic year because yeah, it, they find that it, it supports their immune system. They don't get as sick. And the lovely man in the health shop gave me samples of, there's a tablet form of it. There is, but I'm not, I don't have the same faith in the tablet as yeah. I do in the liquid. I just think it packs an awful lot more in the liquid. Okay. Plus as well, if you're not, um, if you're not feeling great, you're, you're just more likely to absorb from the liquid, whereas you'll have to break down that tablet. But I do have a lot of customers swear by the tablets because they can't bear the taste of the liquid. So they just take it and it still, it works. Even if it's 90% as good, you know, it still yeah, works. But yeah, like. but I think as well, I thought the tablets were good that because it's such a big jar, a big bottle, if you were going away for a day or two when you were on it, bring just bring you. the tablets Absolutely. with you. I, I, I thought that was great. I, I just don't like the look of it, the green look, but the taste, I have no, I have no problem at all with the taste. Anyway, uh, let's get on. Lots of questions coming in. Uh, hi, Patricia. Could you ask Annalise, are infected lymph no- nodes dangerous? And what would she suggest for somebody who's been diagnosed with infected lymph nodes? Okay, so it's a, that's a difficult question, Patricia. Actually, our lymph nodes are very, very important as kind of mobilizing areas for our white blood cells that help us fight infection. Um, infection anywhere long term is, is, um, needs to be dealt with. Like, you know, you can get a chest infection. So really when an infection occurs, it's a bacteria. You could get a toe infection or a nail infection or a tooth infection. And what's happening is that bacteria have lodged there and... Um, are, you know, disease-causing bacteria and have multiplied and are causing this infection. So I've actually, it's the first time I've heard of an infection in the lymph node. Um, I definitely think you probably need to be on high-strength antibiotics for that. Yeah, because anything that's infectious. Yeah, because of the role as well that the lymphs play in immune and fighting your immune system, that if they were infected, your own immune resources could be lower. So I would definitely consider an antibiotic without a doubt. But um, I think also something like echinacea is very good because that mobilizes a different arm of the immune system as well. So get that into the echinacea and make sure that you're taking vitamin C, zinc and vitamin D. And you can take it every three to four hours if you're in a kind of the throes of a bad infection. But I definitely think the antibiotic is the only way to resolve that. Okay, and Mitchellstown, listener, question for Annalise, please. I'm on, is it Lansaproxyl? It's a gastro tablet daily. I also take Calcitu D3 for osteoporosis. Also, Risonate weekly, 35 milligrams. I read somewhere that the gastro tablet affects the absorption of calcium. Is that correct? 
That is correct. So the gastro tablets, the Lanzaprazole or Amaprazole is another one. All of those um, are sold under the brand name of Nexium as well. And what they do is they prevent acid from being um, released into the stomach. So they act as acid blockers, PPIs, they're called proton pump inhibitors, and they prevent the acid being released into the stomach. So that's good for people who've got ulcers, um, who've got reflux where acid is causing a problem. They have been only designed for short-term use, and I do know that people end up on, on them for years. But because they're not, you're not um, getting the strong stomach acid into the stomach, there's a few number, uh, number of things that can occur as a side effect of that. So the first thing is that it is going to be more difficult to absorb things like calcium, zinc, um, magnesium, iron, all of those minerals, they need to be slightly acidified before we can absorb them efficiently after they leave the stomach. So it is going to increase your risk of osteoporosis if you're on them for very long term. The natural alternative to wean yourself off those is to take something called zinc carnosin. That's a, um, a supplement that's very good for helping the mucus-producing cells of the stomach. And if your cells can produce a lovely thick layer of mucus, they protect it when you do release stomach acid naturally. So that's called zinc carnosin, C-A-R-N-O-Z-I-N. And the other thing we recommend is the slippery elm. And this, it comes from the slippery elm tree. It's like a kind of a thick mucilage powder. You take it as a powder or as a, a capsule, and it coats your whole... Um, your whole um, stomach and the, the esophagus with a lovely thick layer of that slippery M and it protects it again when you release the stomach. So those two as a combo are very, very effective. Um, you need to be taking them for a couple of months and the slippery M needs to be taken before every meal and you can wean yourself off your PPI that way. Okay, somebody wants to know, Anne, are raw onions good or bad for you? Now, I know one of my favourite actresses, Miriam Margulies, eats raw onions like you or I would eat an apple. (laughs) She reckons they're very good for you. Are are raw onions good for you? They are. Raw onions are very good for you. Anything raw is good for you because there's lots of nutrients in raw foods that... um, that you will be you lose in a cooked food. One of the big things in onions and garlic that's really important is a is a component or a product called allicin, A L L I C I N, and that um, is becomes much stronger actually if you chop an onion or if you crush your garlic and let it to sit there for five or six minutes before you put it into your cooking or before you eat it, and that increases the amount of allicin. And in the health shop here, we use allicin um, for thinning the blood. For anybody who's got a kind of a blood infection or uh, septicemia, it's a great one for cleansing the blood. It's also a brilliant, brilliant immune booster. And onions, garlic, any of those kind of sulfury things are fantastic for the liver pathway, especially for women because they help us detoxify old hormones and they help with hormone balance and skin and everything. So for a number of reasons, absolutely. But I would say that not everybody can eat raw onion because it can upset the gut. I can't, yeah. I can't can't tolerate onions, yeah. And the other thing is the breath. (laughs) The people around you, if you're eating raw onions and raw garlic. But anyway, uh, somebody says, can we repeat the name of the tonic? I can. And a source of life gold. That's that's what we were uh, talking about. Hi, uh, Patricia. My daughter fell on the stairs yesterday and she actually heard a crack. Was there something Annalise mentioned before about healing the ankle? Thanking you. Okay, so if she heard a crack, I'd definitely go and get that x-rayed. Yeah. uh, Because it could be a broken bone. Um, And it might only be a small break, but it's definitely good to to make sure that's checked out. For any kind of an injury straight away, Arnica is a great one to take homeopathically. You can buy it in any health shop and it's suitable for small kids and 
you know, uh, up to all the adults. Um, a lot of people take it after surgery as well because of its ability to heal damaged tissue and bruises and pulls. So that certainly would be something to try. Um, and then in terms of rubbing something on, you can buy Arnica creams, which again are great for kind of getting into the bruising of the, the on, on the surface of the skin. But I think definitely with a crack, I'd go and get it x-rayed. Yeah. Hi, Patricia. Could you ask Annalise uh, something, please? My husband is in his late 60s, started recently to get bad cramps. Can be a bit scary, particularly when relaxing at night on the bed or on the couch. Is it true tonic water can be good if you take it every day? If so, is there a certain one to use? He walks a lot, quite a few miles every day, so he gets plenty of exercise. So tonic water has something in it called quinine, which is fantastic for crampy legs. Now, you need to get the one with the quinine in it because a lot of them just have quinine tasting um, stuff put into the tonic. So I know that Fever Tree is a very good quality tonic and they do use the proper quinine. Um, also, we've got one here in the shop. I use it for my own gin and tonic. It's lovely. It's Belvoir, B-E-L-V-O-I-R. And I know both of those have proper quinine in there. Your doctor can also actually prescribe quinine tablets if it works, and they might be easier to take. But in terms of cramps in the legs, if they've just developed recently, it's worth looking at medication to see if that's at, the, at fault. Another reason you could get cramps in your legs would be low vitamin D, low iron, low magnesium. So you can get your vitamin D and iron levels checked at your doctor and you can take a magnesium supplement or use a magnesium rub. And actually nine times out of ten, Patricia, magnesium will sort it. So I'd start with the rub and if that's not doing it, you could take a, you know, a supplement of about 300 milligrams of magnesium. And you can take it at night when the cramps begin, uh, or usually begin at night. And hopefully for a lot of people as well, it helps prevent the cramps in bed. Okay, hi. Question for Annalise, please. Is it safe to take Rescue Remedy when you're taking a blood pressure tablet and a beta blocker? I get really stressed before I visit my GP and it might just make it bearable if I could take something just to reduce my stress levels for that short duration. Duration. Thanking you, a regular listener. Absolutely, yep. It's absolutely fine with those. It's a kind of a flower remedy, so they are very, very gentle and generally fine with most medications. Certainly if you're only taking it in the short term, um, but definitely the the um, rescue remedy is, is fine with blood pressure medication. Another thing that would work very well is, is cannabis oil as well. Um, and that actually um, is brilliant for calming. I get great feedback on it and it works within 10, 15 minutes. So if you find um, for people who do suffer from a bit of anxiety every now and then, and I have a lot of ladies who hate driving on the motorway who take it for driving, Patricia. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's brilliant. perfectly safe. Yeah, it's perfectly it, it safe. is brilliant. number of people are contacting about coughs. There's one person says, have a persistent phlegmy cough, can't get rid of it. Kathleen was on to say an irritating husky cough not a chesty cough, it's a husky, uh, husky uh, cough. Cycles a lot in the cold weather, could that be the cause of it? So talk to me about coughs. So, well, uh, there's different types of coughs, I suppose, <clears throat> Patricia. If you're only getting it when you're out in the cold, it's probably just, it is little, you know, just your chest reacting to it. If you have a lot of mucus and phlegm, there, and you need to make sure that there's not an infection there. At the moment, I think there's a lot of bad coughs and flus around because we didn't have them last year. So our immune systems are not as well-trained as they would have been. So for the mucousy cough, um, I would definitely recommend the Dr. Dealish Clear Mucotone. As you know yourself, Patricia, it's vile, but it really does mm. work. Um, if, you're, if, if it's not clearing it after two or three days and if the mucus is very green, you may need an antibiotic. So, you know, 
call your doctor about that. But generally, I find that that stuff kicks in in about 24 hours. You start feeling a little bit better. Um, if you've got a dry, husky cough that's bothering you, if it's um, uh, uh, taking the, winter, the Comvita Winter Wellness, is lovely for soothing it. And if you're inclined just to get it when you're out, um, when you're out cycling and it's the cold air, it is something you could carry a little bit of and just sip just to kind of soothe the um, the passages of the of the chest when you're cycling. That definitely would work. They also do one with mullein, M-U-L-L-E-I-N, in it, and that's another wonderful one for the very dry, husky cough. And actually, mullein is impossible to get this year, Patricia. I've been trying to get it for my customers who cook it up into a tea, and um, it's very hard. I haven't been able to get my hands on it, but it is a very popular remedy for the dry, husky. And then for some people, they just have this dry cough all the time, and they find that it's worse in the mornings, and it's not productive. That is, there's no mucus, or it doesn't seem to be coming from the chest. And I always think that's more of a stomach issue, where the little valve at the top of the stomach is loose and you're getting the fumes of acid coming up catching your breath and you just get that dry cough so then it's nothing to do with the cough it's to do with the stomach Okay and uh, we've kicked everybody off on the source of life gold the tonic somebody says uh, could you ask Annalise is the source of life gold suitable for somebody who's got celiac disease and is it also okay for a female trying to conceive Um, Yes it's fine for celiacs and yes it should be okay for women trying to conceive Generally, the source, of the, the sorry, the rule of thumb is that when you're pregnant, you don't take any herbs at all. So, like echinacea or ginseng or things like that would be in the source of life gold. That's the only thing really that would not be suitable. But if you're trying to get pregnant, it does take a number of weeks before implantation occurs and there is a transfer from the mother to baby. So you would stop as soon as you knew you were pregnant and there'd be the tiniest risk anyway because of the ginseng. But it's just to be super careful. Okay, and I know I suffer with hemochromatosis so there's no iron in it. So it's it's suitable for anyone with hemochromatosis. It is. Now, it is green so there will be a tiny minor level that there would be if you ate broccoli, you know. I gotta go, gotta go. I'm over on time. Thanks for that, Annie. Annalise, um, Annalise at the healthhubstore.com as she talk with us again next week. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.